We are recording. Yay. Yay. Today is Sunday, September the 27th. Thank you, Fox. I got it right this time. And the guest we're having on today's episode is a man I met about four years ago in Atlanta. I had gone to Atlanta. Well, we'll talk about that in a second, but his name is Obe. Mm-hmm. And he's very interesting. He lives in Bangkok. Mm-hmm. He lived in America for 11 years. He studied, he was, he's a virologist. He was studying viruses. Mm-hmm. He went to several different schools and got a lot of different degrees here in the U.S. And now he lives in Bangkok. So I interviewed him over Zoom. Mm-hmm. First international interview. That and was fun. And a fairly good connection for an international call. It was great. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. We talked about his studies of dengue fever. Mm-hmm. We talked about COVID and how Thailand has managed to keep their numbers so low. I think they have a population of around 65 million. Mm-hmm. They've had about 3,000 cases and maybe... 30 to 50 deaths. I can't remember. It's very low. It's very low, yes. So we talked about that. And we also talked about the movies that he's seen recently and just some really interesting things. I think everybody's going to enjoy this episode because he also talks about a little bit about growing up with a mother who taught biology and what it was like to be in away from home and how he, when he was a kid, he never thought, dreamed that he would be living in another country. It's a very good snapshot of a of a good life. And he was recently promoted this year, I think, to assistant professor at this major medical school there in Bangkok. Mm-hmm. So really interesting, smart and funny guy who I really enjoy talking to. I remember when I met him, it was 2016. This was before I knew you. Sure. I wanted to see Moonlight. Do you remember Moonlight? That I do. Week? And I wanted to see the documentary about james baldwin Uh, okay Uh, i am not your negro that was the name of the movie so i decided they weren't neither one of them were showing here locally in alabama right so i decided to take dolly p my brand new dog that i had just gotten in 2016 and go to atlanta over the christmas break and i just rented some condo or whatever and i went to see those movies and through a series of events i met obe During that time, got to know him just a little bit. And that was the time that Dolly P escaped. I had just, I only had her like a month, maybe. Mm -hmm. And she's a darter. She loves to just dart if you open a door. You know this. Yes. So, and especially when you're packing up and leaving a a, a place that she wasn't used to, I think she was just nervous. So I was packing up my car and I went out the door to carry some stuff to the car. And she, darted out into this parking lot we were very close to a major road Mm. it was very scary i chased her around for a long time she thought we were playing games and i thought she was going to be killed it was very scary i can imagine she has tried to escape from me exactly once and she hesitated on account of rain so i was able to kind of grab her and squish and kind of squish her in my hands and bring her back in but when did that happen maybe two three months ago Oh, my God. Oh, did I not tell you this? No. Well, there you go. That's something uh, That's something more we have in common. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that too much because that'll make me nervous. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I asked Obe in the interview that I thought was really interesting, he was talking about, what was that movie he was talking about? It was a Pixar film. Are you referring to Inside Out? Yes. Yes. 
tell me, do you, have you seen that movie? I've not seen it. I know it has a lot of Parks and Recs people. I know it was lauded for its nuance. I know there's a scene with the sadness and uh, embodying character that was considered particularly poignant. I, I heard good things. Well, something about his discussion of that film made me ask him this question about he was talking about your core, like who you are as a person, who you, what are the things that you carry with you, even through all the changes that you go through in life? Right. And I thought that was a really interesting question. So I asked him that and he was able he, he named three things. At least, at least. But I wonder what how you would answer that. You're I know you're young. You're 25, right? 25. What do you think is at your core of who you are? If you had to name one or two or three things. I should have been more prepared for this. I should I'll, have seen this coming. I'll let you think about it for a second. Because okay. I've thought about it a lot since I talked to him. Mm -hmm. And you just interrupt me if you think of something. Okay. Sure. I think one of the things at my core is probably humor. I do think that I deal with a lot of things through humor. Mm -hmm. I also think that I'm I'm very interested in getting to the bottom of things. Like I want I want honesty and authenticity. Mm -hmm. So I think those are thing honesty. He said honesty I think in the interview. I'm trying to think of what else though. Have you got one? There is a precision that I think would stick with me through a lot of various conditions. I think that I may not always know what I'm doing. I may not always have the language or the skills or the tools at hand, but I tend to know how to construct at least something toward a goal. And I feel that that would be a part of that list. Yeah, mm -hmm. I definitely think that's one of yours. Mm -hmm. There are things that have changed a lot about me. What are some of the things that have changed for you? I saw the most significant change in the last few years as I became more aware of the political climate. So I think I've definitely become more deliberate. I think that I've adopted a more, is holistic the right word? A more, more of a need to be well-rounded in my approach to things. Does that make sense? Sure. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things... A lot of things have changed for me over the years. I'm 45. Mm -hmm. Change actually might be one of my <laughs> constants. It, I know that I've changed a lot politically. Mm -hmm. When I was in my late teens and throughout my 20s, I, I really identified as a libertarian, capital L, libertarian. Mm -hmm. And then afterward, for about, I think over the last decade and a half, I've slowly evolved politically into what I guess, I don't know what I would call myself, but I'm definitely not calling myself a libertarian anymore. It's almost like aging in a way. <laughs> Before you know it, it's, you look in the mirror and, and your face has changed. That's sort of how my politics changed. Before I knew it, I looked in the mirror and I was, so I believed different things. <laughs> I've actually had the opposite effect. I feel that even if I've developed my ideas, you're going to hear the dog bark a bit. I apologize. If even if I've developed my ideas a bit more, I think there are some core ideas that were passed along in my upbringing of equality and diversity and so on and so forth that I I think I've looked in the mirror and seen everyone else age. I think I've developed 
nuance to that, but I have not veered off of that where I've seen much of the rest of the world change from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that I would say about my political views is that they seem to be more in line with my core now. Good. I think when I look back at when I was younger, and I'm not trying to change anyone's mind or anything who might be listening to this and and be a libertarian or be whatever, but I feel that I was harsh in my political views, and I'm not really a harsh person. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm actually, I do care about people and I do believe that people should be helped. And I think that we need to look after each other and support each other. And it seems like that may not necessarily align with a libertarian doctrine, for one thing. Well, that's what I'm saying is that I feel like, but I'm, no, I don't want to, I don't want to speak for what libertarian is. I don't want to put up a straw man or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I do feel that some of the beliefs that I had in the name of libertarianism did not really merge well with my heart (laughs) does that make sense with a sort of core instinct and inner truth sure yeah and i do believe i've come to see politics much more from a moral perspective but that's that's one of the things that has changed a lot has changed about me over the years but it is interesting to me to try to figure out what is it that you carry with you if anything that helps define who you are in spite of your physical changes and your changes in your beliefs i think that's fascinating absolutely but precision is definitely one for you Mm -hmm. if you could live in another country this fascinates me okay because he lived in the united states for 11 years Mm -hmm. i just talked to mr ledbetter my high school english teacher who has lived in mexico since 2004 i don't know i think that takes a lot i really admire people who move to another country i would feel so cut off from all that's so dear to me and my support if you could live in another country, would you and where would it be? I think I would. I think that I feel like I'm coming across so serious and I apologize, okay. but I definitely I I'm think, asking you deep questions. I think there would be a greater stability and a personal safety in some other countries. I took a trip to Germany with a class over a summer some years ago and I had a very good time and I spent a lot of time going about the city separate from my group. Uh, Some of those stories are actually quite fun. and Rated R. Okay, maybe not rated R necessarily. PG-13. Certainly. But, (laughs) and a few of those stories got back to the group and they were like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. (laughs) But the point being like, I, my professor when we got there said one thing to expect and one thing that she had experienced when she first went there was that there is a freedom walking down the street that she had never experienced in America. And I don't want to go too deep into that, but I felt the same way. Yeah. And I would appreciate feeling that more often in my life. I could see uh, Germany, for mm-hmm. sure. I, I wouldn't, when I was younger and much more adventurous, I guess, I spent six weeks in europe or five or six weeks in europe with my friend pam that was a lot of fun it was the first time i'd ever been to italy i think italy is a place where i could definitely live when i talked to mr ledbetter he said that when he retired he knew he wanted to move somewhere on the ocean and somewhere that was spanish speaking because he wanted to learn the language Mm -hmm. i would love to move to italy live in florence or any any of those beautiful cities in i don't really love rome that much but 
and learn Italian and just live there. I think that would be great. But Germany sounds nice, too. Oh, sure. My dream place to live, I think, is Asheville, North Carolina, though. Okay. For some reason, it just calls me. I don't really know why. I'm assuming you've been there. I've been there many, many times. I've spent... I went, the first time I went, I sp- I've been there and spent a month at a time, several mm-hmm. times. And it's just a really interesting place. I love the mountains. I love that area of North Carolina. There's something very hip and cool and interesting about Asheville to mm-hmm. me. But it's not just that. There's just something in the land, something in the, in the air, something in the people. I just love it. Have you ever had a place just speak to you like that? Oh, certainly. Certainly. Again, on that Germany trip, I went out, we were, we were spent a week in Cologne, and I went out, and I was out very late, doing unspeakable things, Uh surely, (laughs) and I walked along the river for a while, at least partially because the doorman was asleep and I could not get back into (laughs) the the hostel, Uh and... I took pictures of the sun rising over that space, and there was a great feeling in that. Yeah, I've seen that picture. Mm-hmm. I showed it to the professor later, and she said, oh my god, I mean, <laughs> thank you for showing me it's beautiful, but oh my god. <laughs> I wish that I... Well, I'm going to talk to Ove some more later. I think I'll invite him back on the podcast. I would love to know more about what it was like for him living in another country for 11 years, mm-hmm. more about his interests and the things he wants out of life he's a very interesting guy Mm -hmm. so i guess we'll stop talking okay and let our listeners get to know my friend the brilliant funny interesting obe thank you obe so um (laughs) we met it's been three or four years how long has it been i think Three three years. So I moved back to Thailand in 2017, the end of January. And I think I met you in Atlanta 2016, maybe? Yeah. Or 15, but I think 16. But at that time, you were working at Emory, is that right? Yeah. How long were you in the United States? 11 years. Oh, my gosh. But um, the university here didn't allow me to stay longer because I had a visa valid until 2020, which is pretty much around this time that I plan to move back. So you went back a little earlier. Yeah. What was what was it like for you in those 11 years? Is that what you said? 11? Yeah, 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. Did you stay in one place or were you moving around a lot? I first moved to Boston. Boston is a first city that I lived in the U.S. for six months. I work at Harvard School of Public Health, just doing a little thing in the lab while I'm waiting for, like, getting call from the program that I applied for the PhD at that time. And the reason that I was able to do so because of the, the support of a Thai American Physician Foundation that I, they've sort of support me in funding so that I can live in the U.S. during that time. And then I got accepted at Baylor College of Medicine, so I moved to Houston and did my PhD there for seven years, and then I moved to Atlanta to do a postdoc at Emory. And and you were just recently, I saw on your Facebook page, because I do keep up with you there, I saw that you, were, <laughs> yeah. you got a promotion to assistant professor, is that correct? Yes, 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 yeah. Congratulations. It's kind of long process, yeah, thank you, thank you. It's kind of a long process in Thailand, so we apply it took two years for they to kind of process everything. So 
Yeah. So what are you do? What are you doing now? I mean, what does your day to day look like? Are you researching? Are you teaching? Uh, basically teaching. I use. I wish that I had more time to to do more research because that what I was training for. You know, like working in the lab, doing experiment, thinking about what could they do to sort of understand more of viruses or immune responses to viruses. Since I moved back here, I sort of more involved in teaching like medical student and grad students in the program. So the program here that I that I'm teaching it's an international program. So we teach in English. So we have some international student, but most of them like from the Southeast Asia country or Asian country like Myanmar or Nepal, Vietnam. So that kind of thing. And then whatever I have time, so I would go and work in the lab because I I have my own student too that we have project going on. Yeah, but I just wish I had more time to to do that. But it's kind of excuse anyway because like you always have time to what you want to do, you know. <laughs> well, in a way, you hope so. But it sounds like you're doing really interesting things, even as a teacher, whether you're researching or not. Is this what you, yeah. when you were a kid, what were you like? Were you did you always want to go into science? I think I saw on Facebook that your mother was a biology teacher, right? She was trained as a scientist. Like she didn't train in education. Like like she didn't have a degree in education, but she had a degree in science. So she actually worked with viruses before. So I kind of kid being um saying to to my friends that I, oh probably I'm the ovary that developed during like when she was doing virology kind of thing <laughs> stuff. <laughs> So, <laughs> so um, that's where they have like the pageant of viruses from. <laughs> yeah, so she she worked with viruses. I think she worked with influenza for a while, and then she decided to move back to to her hometown, which is my hometown that I grew up in, the northeastern part of Thailand. And then at the hometown, we don't have like a university or research institute over there. So she decided to become a biology teacher. So when I was born, she already a biology teacher in high school in my hometown. Right? So I grown up looking at the textbook. Or I remember my favorite book would be um, the book about evolution of mm -hmm. things. Like I can see like a lot of animals in that in that book. Like how like monkeys turn to be like humans and like the branching. I just remember that because I lo I like a lot of animals pictures. And then I remember mom was always sitting with me, like watching the documentaries about like wildlife and all that. So I think that's what I sort of developed like the love of science and biology from. Mm -hmm. So then I just, it just turned out that I'm doing so well in biology so that I sort of picked biomedical kind of track. Because you were studying viruses also, right? I mean, from what I gather. Yeah, I, I had my degree in uh, molecular virology and microbiology. That's my PhD degree for. So yeah, I read the quote where you said, I wasn't stalking you on Facebook, by the way. I was trying to prepare <laughs> for the interview. I, read, I swear that's what it was. You quoted, I think you quoted your mom who says that if you're able to explain something to someone, you know, right. something really complex, that if you're able to yeah. explain it to someone, that means you understand it. So right. I, as a person in the arts <laughs> and English yeah. and all this and literature, how would you explain your work in, in studying viruses to someone like me who's not necessarily as <laughs> anywhere near you in scientific awareness? Well, my work, my project, like that's been going on right now is that to understand 
how the body responds to viral infection. Basically, as you can see here with the COVID-19, you would see a group of people who would not have any symptom at all, even though they get infected, right? So that's what we call asymptomatic. Also, the group that had a very severe form, or the group in the middle that have like a fever for a couple of days and then they get resolve it themselves. So that's because of the immune responses in our bodies that respond to the virus differently. As a scientist, we don't really quite understand the whole thing yet that why people react to the infection differently. So that's the thing that I'm trying to look at to be more specific uh, for dengue virus, which is the problem in Thailand or Southeast Asia that uh, when you have infection can can die or people can die from dengue by the plasma or the, the fluid in, in the blood vessels kind of leak. So that's also the same thing that if you look at the stat, the number of people get infected with dengue, I think it's about 39 million a year, but only less than 1% will develop like hemorrhagic chop that we call dengue hemorrhagic fever. But mm -hmm. even though that's less than 1%, it's still considered like 100,000 or something, yeah. right? which is a lot. And, and, and most of them are a kid. So that's still, we still don't know. And if we understand that, like how immune response, like how we react and respond to the infection differently. So that's why we know that, oh, who we should give something or do something with that to enhance the boost of the immune response so that they will get protected from infection. Vaccination is also one thing, but as you all know, and we all know that not all of our viruses we would have vaccine for. We, we still haven't had a good or effective vaccine for um, dengue, right? That's what, I'm study that's what I'm studying with, or HIV, right? Or in, in, even now COVID, that it's still like, there's many vaccines in the pipeline. People would wonder like, oh, if you know exactly how the immune response work, like we don't really have to have like 10 or 20 vaccines going on, we can just focus in one way, right? But right now, scientists, we don't really know whatever works, it will work. So that's kind of thing that part of what I'm doing right now. That's very interesting. So you're trying to pinpoint like what it is that yeah. makes some people develop the worst. That, right. In, in dengue, right. right? Yeah, dengue, dengue virus. Dengue. And, and by doing so, yeah, and by doing so, I'm studying like in the population where Dengue is endemic in Thailand. It means that if we look at the doubt um, and we take the um, we take the blood and look at the antibody, we would get the like we call zero positive, which means that positive for an antibody to dengue, which means that those adults has been exposed to dengue before. So more than ninety percent would have would turn out positive, but more than ninety percent of those would not have ever experienced dengue fever or mm -hmm. get sick with dengue. So I'm looking at like what they do have and when look compare with the patient, what the patient don't have so that we can we learn that what can be important to protect those who don't have dengue from getting sick from dengue. Sure. I mean, it sounds familiar to all of us who aren't scientists just because of what's going on right now with everybody trying to figure out you know, why some yeah. people get really sick. 
uh, with COVID and things like that. I noticed looking online that Thailand has really low numbers. Like, why is that, yeah. do you think? I, I would say um, one factor is based on that Thai people were so afraid to die from infectious diseases. Yeah, that's what we had. It's like we kind of joking in the departmental meeting last week that, well, Thai people, when, when they say like, oh, you're going to die from infection of this and this and that, and this is how you can protect, like wearing masks can protect, like almost 100% of Thai people would wear masks in public since in March. Yeah. So then uh, I remember back in the late of March, so that's when the government had a rec strict regulation that if you cannot, if you won't wear a mask, you cannot get on the train or public transportation. Even though now, like I sit down on the bus and then there are some people get on the bus without wearing masks that you may not be able to, to allow to be on the bus. Like the, the driver will kick you out. Yeah, until you find masks so that you can get on the bus. I think that's one factor. The other factor is that I think we're pretty much lucky at the time that the wave starting going up, I think in March, when we start, when the government start to lock down the city, like to have the curfew that people cannot go out after 10 p.m. until like 4 a.m. in the morning, could then shut the, um, close all the movie theater and shopping malls and all of that. And at that time, I think we will be able to stop and track all the infected people, like to in quarantine them and have them in place and track to everyone around them, just to make sure that those will not get spread to other. And I think that part of it that we would get lucky that we be able to do so, and then there's no continuous infection in the com com community. But I think two days ago, right, they just found that one person from the community got infected. And that person, actually, the, the reason that they, they found is that that person got arrested by doing something and they would be in jail. And then you need to be quarantined and sort of um, do um, physical exams and tests for everything be before you're getting put in the jail. Yeah, and that's why they found it. And then they now sort of track the people that might be contact with that person. And then so far, we haven't had any report of like increasing number of infection in the community. And I hope so that we will not have that because the school here just, just open, like we would like the economy just picking up, even though it's not back to normal yet, but hopefully we will not get it. Because before that, we have to do everything online, especially for the medical school that, I, that I'm working for. Uh, we want to allow, like, so we have like 300 students in, in, in the class. We want to allow the student to come in until just like a week ago. Just to, to not do that again is kind of challenging as a teacher as you may be able to let that um, before that we have to plan for two options of teaching like to completely online and then back to normal like when students can come and interact in thailand you know um i think online teaching is not for everyone and it's not quite effective so that's why we still have to be in school and as a teacher, I can teach online, but I found myself that I think teaching online is not fun. I 
I want to see the reaction from the student. I want to see yes their face and yeah and and to to see that if they understand in what I'm I'm saying or not, so that I can explain a little bit more or uh, if they really enjoy what I'm explaining, so that. So that I know, you know, that it's more like two-way communications and what we're doing now, like we don't have a system to support like 300 people to be on Zoom at the same time, you know, yeah. and see all, yeah, all the faces and there's many, many things that we cannot do online, like for example, for medical school, like cross anatomy, where you have to dissect, uh, uh, dissect all the, um, the body of the, the person who donate the bo- their body for 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 student to study right so um that's how we've learned the skill of like to become a surgeons and see the relation of vessels and nerves and muscles and that you cannot do it online yeah. or even in 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 the field that i'm that we are in i'm teaching in microbiology so we need you need to teach students to know how to to do the staining of the bacteria and all that so at least when you become a doctor, you know, like, how did you stand the bacteria and differentiate the different kind of bacteria in that way, you know, and that you cannot do it at home. Is that slowing down the process for these students to move ahead? Are they having to kind of get behind a little bit and take classes later I than think, they would have? I think now they kind of push, like, whatever they can teach online, like the theories and everything, they push it up, like, in the beginning of the semester and then if hopefully if the situation getting better now as student can come so that we can sort of plan for like all the laboratory skill that they, they need to learn you were talking about the reasons why it wasn't covid wasn't as bad there like contact tracing and people wearing their masks you were here in in, in america for 11 years why do you think mm-hmm. Why do you think we're having such a hard time over here? Why are we not? What's going on? Yeah, that's, um, I think based on what I saw in the news and what I heard from some of my friends over there, I believe that people in the U.S., there's some that don't believe in like wearing masks and they think that, well, only the people who have like underlying condition or the old people will get really sick. And that's very much true, but wearing masks in a way that it's more like altruism kind of thing that you do it. Well, nobody like wearing masks and walking on the street. We're doing it just to protect ourselves and also protect others in case that we had that infection so that we won't spread to others. And that's true that old people will get sick more, but the problem is the what we need to look for is that the, the person who get infected and don't have symptoms and can spread the virus. That's the one that we have to, to look for. But then we don't know, right? If you don't have any symptoms, you think you're fine. But basically, you're more like the factory that make the virus. And then you everywhere that you walk, you more of like spread it out without knowing that. And it's more like domino effect. Like it's not just like, one person to what the other, like if only one person who get infected and walk around the shopping mall with 200 people, right? You would get at least, I don't know, even though like 10 people get infected and those 10 people would go somewhere else. And yeah, so the spread would go quickly as you can see the numbers rising up. 
like especially in the like New York or wherever people like there's a lot of dense, high density of population. But more well, situation in the U.S. is totally different from situation in Thailand right now. And then I I don't I don't know what people can do just to not stop living their life. You know, like I think the world now many countries have stopped. All of the activity of everything and it's affect a lot of people already. So just to think about like the second wave and we have to close everything again. I don't think that's that's a good option. You know, it won't um, work here because it didn't work the first time. I know that. Right. So at least wear masks, right? I mean, right. Yeah. So and then and then one thing I remember the when the first time that. It start rising up in Thailand, and then the dean of the med- medical school that I'm working for, he was the boss cats and sort of posted on Facebook and sort of people uh, explain people that well we have to hit it hot the first time you know it's more like we have to hit it so that it would the curve would go down and then it could be coming back a little bit more but first time you have to hit it as hard as you can yeah. Yeah, so that, yeah. So if you don't get it hard as you can, so if it's still not going down as you want, like it will start going up, as you can see in many countries. Do you think that there will be, I mean, you may, this may not be anything you know for sure, but is, will there be a vaccine or will it be more like the flu where there's, it's, I don't know, I just, is it, are we going to be able to just end it up for all, everybody with one vaccine? Yeah, um, vaccine is possible because now we have technology. We have like all the almost like eighty percent or even more of the scientists who can do whatever they can to help with this. Like they put all the focus and money on on this. So I I I believe that the vaccine will come up soon, and hopefully there would be some that very effective. But as you can see in the history, like HIV, we try for like how many years, like 30 years already, and we still haven't had an effective vaccine. But hopefully that's not the case for the COVID, but who knows, you know? It will be something that people would be able to, to use, but it will take a while, even though like now, even though you think that even though now we have a very good vaccine, let's say we have, we have, we have a very good vaccine in the market there would be a problem one who would get first right would that be enough for everyone right and even though it will be enough for everyone even though what everyone get vaccinated today it will take a week or two weeks so that they can develop or even months to develop a good immune response antibody whatever to to protect them and in some cases, you may need to have more than one dose to get a very good amount of antibody, right? So that would take at least like three months or even six months from today. If, if everyone vaccinated today, so right, at least it's going to be a year. So then there would need to be a, a plan or something or at least antiviral or something that would sort of reassure that people would not would not get as to slow down the process, you know, like and help some that will can't get real sick and get better or something like that. 
And then anti, I think antiviral would be, if there's some, yeah, that would be a better solution for now, just for at, at least help. And then why we're waiting for the vaccine to work, at least we know that, well, at least we have antiviral, anti-COVID to sort of, even though it's not work for everyone, but at least for people who get really sick, we can, we can give it to them. People would get less fear of like doing thing, you know, like, because now uh, I just had a conversation with another, with my neighbors about this and he get really mad. He, he's Australian who lived in Thailand, and he get really mad about the situation, about the lockdowns and all that. And he believed that we should not do the lockdown at all for the world. Like very mass is the one that we need to implement it. But I, as a person, I believe that we need both lockdown and wearing mask for the beginning, right? Just to control the number of new cases until the same level, until like very low level as possible. Yeah, that's just what I thought. And then hopefully antiviral and vaccine will come up soon. I hope so. So what is life like for you personally? Are you still able to, because to, I, I, and on Facebook, I see these fabulous meals that you share. <laughs> it makes me so hungry. <laughs> movies that you, right. I know you used to go to the movies a lot. Are you, are you now able to do some of that more, like go out to eat and things like that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes, yes. That's what I say in the beginning that now I can live normal life, right? Except, except for that, I need to wear a mask in public. People can go shopping in shopping mall, like everyone could get the dog back of the restaurant can open. Like the only business that still hadn't, hadn't had um, coming back yet is the tourists, like the tourism aspect, like the, the place that was, depends on a lot of uh, foreigner, like foreign tourists to come. That still had a lot of effect. As Thai people, we cannot travel outside the country. So there's more like, for example, this long week um, in Thailand, here, um, to this week is also the long weekend, and I just realized that it's a Labor Day weekend over there as well. In Thailand, yeah, this this is like the special long weekend because we we had the traditional Thai New Year in April, and way back when we we shut down the whole country, so people would not be able to kind of enjoy that. So now the situation get better, so the government just announced that okay, let's do that long weekend just now, and nice. in a way that just to promote. The tourism so that like a lot of my friend on Facebook now like there's not in Bangkok like they travel outside the city right so that's that's one thing that can boost it uh, boost up the, uh, the economy especially the tourism in Thailand so back to your comment that yeah in, in Bangkok I can do like go to movie I just went to see uh, Mulan and Tinet this weekend oh wow um, did you like them yeah. both well no. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Mulan is, well, it's Chinese, right? As you know, like, but it's kind of weird that you see a lot of Chinese speak English very well in yeah. the movie. But I understand that point that, okay, like, it's the Hollywood movies and then they want kids to understand without reading that. But as the artistic, like, if I want to be crit critical with that, I would wish that they speak Chinese. Yeah. Um, what about Tenet? The, um, Tenet was interesting. It's more like I was sitting in 
uh, the physics class in high school again. <laughs> that that I try to understand. I know that it's amazing thing. I know that the concept is really interesting, and I'm. I want. I really want to be able to understand within that two hours, just to appreciate the complexity of the story. And um, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, it's still beyond like my level of of understand about time and relations and all that. And actually, like action movie is not my type of movie. Mine either. Um, I usually like yeah. I like more of a drama and um, documentaries kind of thing more, but I really like the work of Christopher Nolan. His action movie is not like other action movie. I really want to, <laughs> to understand that. But so I actually planned at, to. Well, I just I just bought the ticket online from to see Tenet again in IMAX this time on Wednesdays, and then now I. I watched some YouTube that explained the story more. So now, like, I sort of have my brain prepared <laughs> to look at for the clues and everything. So I hope, like, the second time would be like I would enjoy more. What What is like your? You have a favorite movie? Like, you seem like someone who really likes film. So I just wonder if you have like a that film that does it for you. Well, it's really hard to pick. I know, I know. But there's a couple movies that I I can watch it again and again and again and again and again. One thing that came to my mind right now is Inside Out, which is the Pixar movie. I like animation. I think the way that they tell the story, as a scientist as well, I think the, the way that they tell the story is about emotion in the most um, simple way. I think it, that's ingenious. I think that's very clever. And also, it's also teach a lot of things in that movie, like, we cannot be just one emotion. Like if you know, like at the end, that well, emotions kind of mix. Can we learn from the past experience? We're gonna forget something, and then we're gonna grow up to be someone. But there's still a core that, as a person, that we have that kind of thing. So I kind of like that. And I'm looking forward to the new one. I think it's called Soul, right? Uh, from Pizza. That will come out, and then I think it's probably about the same kind of way of thinking, and in that way, another movie that I really like recently that also uh, Parasite. I think that oh, also, I love Parasite. Yes, I watched it three times already <laughs> in movie theater. Yeah, it's not an action movie, but I found myself that I stopped breathing when I watched that movie. Yeah. And in the way that they tell the stories about like the different people in in society and like the rich and the poor and all that, so I think that very 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 clever. The other one would be, call me by your name. Oh, um, I cried like a baby when I watched that movie. That's the this move. That's a movie that at the end made me feel numb. I was I don't know, but. Every time that I watch that movie, like my body is just like, I don't know, I'm. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like, but it's beautiful. Uh, just like it is. Yes, and then I'm. Yeah, I have a book that kind of the sequence of Call Me by Your. I, I was. I have a uh, Call Me by Your Name book, and I have um, what is the sequence of They Called Me by Your Name? Is in the book, right? I just I had it in the, in the shelf, but I, I haven't remember. read it yet. 
uh it's called find me okay. so it's just, yeah it's it's from um the same author and then it's gonna be the sequence of um of, 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 of oh. me by yeah i didn't know that okay let me ask you this and this will be my last question so it's kind of deep but the first movie which what it was uh what was the first movie you talked about what was yeah it? inside out you said something about talking about memory and emotion and all that and that like that, that there still remains this sort of core of who you are I, I think about that a lot. I actually do think about that a lot because I've gone through many versions of myself in my life, you know, and I always yeah. wonder what it is that I carry with me that is still essentially me. And mm -hmm. I wonder for you if you, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I could, I could say what that is. It might take me a while. So it's unfair of me to ask you this, but do you know what that is for you? Like, what is your core that you carry with you? Do you know? Because you mentioned that earlier. My, yeah, my core um wow i would say ambitious i sort of have something in myself that i drop that drive me to go further than i i hope that i can be better and better every day right i, I think it's the part that drives me to to go and live in the u.s for 11 years i think that part of it if i had to go back and tell my oh but 10 years old that well one day you're gonna live in the u.s for 11 years it's it's beyond belief you know i'm from the family that we cannot even like f effort to kind of travel aboard i i never get a chance to go somewhere outside thailand it's too expensive just to think that living in the u.s for 11 years is not going to be possible right but things comes and I did my best with class and everything that I that I can to to be there you know like it's the long process but I think that part of it that that drives myself to do better the other part would be the creativity I I sort of drawn to something about creative side even though a scientist also like an artist in the way right we design experiment we look at things and we see the beauty in nature we see the beauty in the process of how things work we trying to ex uh, describe the nature in creative way and in scientific way that well as an artist you may see the form and the colors and all that but as a scientist we also trying to understand like how things work and that's the beauty of things like if you understand how things work that's that's also an art right that's the that's the art that the nature create absolutely yeah. so i think that's the two yeah that's the two two core for me if i could <laughs> add one more i think if, if anyone can can piss me off it's like i cannot stand lying people like that's sure. the thing that if i know that yeah if somebody lied to me i would just yeah don't want to deal with that anymore Sort of three, three thing, I think. It could be more, but yeah, of that's the thing that I can think of, yeah. I can see all those things in you, and I haven't really known you that, I mean, I don't know you as well as a lot of people, but I, your honesty comes off of you. You you can, I sense that from you. You're, you're a very honest person. And um, I think that was a good answer. I think if I had been asked that, I would not be able to answer it in the amount of time that you've had. <laughs> I'm very impressed. <laughs>
Well, well, sometimes I thought about that. Like, yeah, like you said that you know, you have the moment that you thought about yourself. Like, oh, if you want to say something to younger generation, I think what would you can tell them about what you experience and what you think that that could make you to the point that you are right now. You know, I have a hard time as a, even as a teacher, but as I get older, just as an older person, I'm 45 now, but when I think of people who are younger and I see them doing things and I think, oh, I wish I could tell you not to do that. But I have done so many stupid things in my life and I've been so many different versions of myself. It's I, I empathize right. so clearly with people, even when they're doing things that I think are wrong or misguided, that it's hard for me to give them advice because I'm like, but I just had to go through that myself. You know, I didn't, you know, I don't know. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing that um now I have my own student like she's master student and there's many things that I keep telling her like that I think I wish that someone told me at the time that I was starting uh start working in the lab and then I don't want people to sort of make the mistake again and it's sometimes you know like it turns out that well she still repeat that and I get frustrated and then at some point I think well. Until that person realizes it themselves, like even though like parents or teacher keep telling them not to do so, they were still doing it until they realize that oh, they should not do that yeah. <laughs> by themselves. And, but we we all as a teacher, we all hope that they listen to us and they don't want to have to waste the time to do that. Absolutely. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up because I've taken enough of your time, and I'm oh, I'm really I'm really glad that our paths crossed. I'm glad that I know you, and and I'm glad that you were were willing to do this a second time when I sh- stood you up. And I'm so sorry about that. I think you're very <laughs> well, intelligent. That's why I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoy this. And then I'm yeah, I if you want to talk more in the future and yes. dig more dig deep more in certain topic, like we can talk about that. I think there's many aspect of of me that I hope that I can share. If you want to talk about Thai food, <laughs> I can yes. tell you. I, we can have, yeah. Well, I would yeah. love to. I was sitting here while you were talking at one point. I'm listening to you, but as you were talking, I was like, we need to talk more. So definitely, right. I would love to get to know you more and even more podcasts with you or just talk to you about anything because you're so smart and so honest and thoughtful and you're doing <laughs> really you. cool stuff. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, All Jamie. Right. Really nice talking to you today. So nice okay. talking to you. I'll talk to you again, okay? Okay. All right. Thanks. Anytime. All right. All right. Okay, bye. Where You Are was created by Jimmy Ellenberg and edited by Fox Williams. Our intro is Small Piano from the Ant Hill album by Patricia Taxon. All music was used with permission. The views expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution for which I have ever worked or will ever work. Thanks for listening. Have a nice day wherever you are.